Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T, so I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good, so. All right, it's the four-pointer, the official 500, back to 500 episode. I'm Mike. He is Jake. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks are 7-2 and two in their last nine games, six straight wins at home. Everything is awesome right now. Jacob, how you feeling, man? Pretty good, man. How about a little symmetry at 2-7 and seven and 7-2? Seven and two? Yeah, yeah. That's probably not the way you'd like to draw it up because uh, – how many? We have six straight losses. Yeah, we must have had six straight losses because we were two and two and one at one moment. I don't think you draw up uh, six straight losses early in your season because it's kind of uh, discouraging. And uh, I don't know why. Uh, people that cover sports talk about this all the time. Like if you're batting 100 through the first month of the season, you know it's such a freak out. But if you do it in a random spot in the middle of the season, no one notices. And it just kind of sets the tone, sets, sets a weird tone, especially for a, a fan base that's probably a little uh, shell-shocked from the, the beginnings of the last two seasons. So I'd rather not pick it to be that way, but whatever, we're back, we're back square. Yeah, especially when of those six losses, you had one of them in overtime and one of them by one point uh, in the Laker game and then one of them the blown lead in Atlanta. Yeah. And so yeah, that, that made it look a tough. lot worse than it really was, and – yeah, I don't know. There's a ton to talk about. I don't know. I guess I'll just let you lead it. But my thing is just I didn't think they were as bad as they were when they were two and seven. And I don't think I probably don't think they're as good as they've been during this nine game stretch. Mm-hmm. And in particular, I mean that. Uh, and I'm going to probably going to write something about this this week on The Athletic, if you would like to direct people to go uh, do commerce with The Athletic. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic outlet. You write for them. Tim Cato. Uh, fantastic game recaps and other uh, material as well. But the game recaps is what I check in for after every game from Cato. And you're our two, uh, our two Mavs guys. And it's the, uh, the best form of sports coverage that you're going to get. Um, there's no pop-ups. There's no ads that are com- going to come flying at you. There's no, uh, you know, do you believe what, what, what was the crowd going crazy about? And the little ad banner at the bottom there that gets you into a, a dark web portal that you'll never return from. Um, I just want to see. I, I I typically don't believe. I'm not going to believe what she looks like uh, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. And I'm uh, never going to believe it. Yeah, I'm never going to believe it, especially if they were. You'll never guess what this teen star looks like today. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess that it's probably worse if yeah. you're doing the if it, if you're using that as clickbait. It's never like. 
Steady progression, linear. <laughs> yeah. I want to Every- cl- click on one and just be like, ah, yeah, pretty close. That checks thinking. out. Yeah. yeah. No. Probably <laughs> took care of yourself. Normal aging. Yeah, pretty normal. <laughs> aged gracefully. <laughs> no, which it's we never just that. Can't do anymore. But no, that never happens in the athletic. You don't get into uh, weird portals in the internet where you don't need to be. Uh, saving yourself from viruses and probably weird, uh, you know, URL history questions from your wife. <laughs> None of that happens with the athletic. Um, and if you go to theathletic.com/slash/four-pointer, uh, get your forty percent off a subscription. Which uh, boils down to two ninety nine a month, which is just freaking robbery. I don't know how they're doing that. It's so cheap um, for the best sports coverage that's happening right now. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the Athletic by now. If you haven't, welcome to 2018 and the sports landscape that is. But the Athletic has basically bought every good writer from every um, notable market in the United States, and they're not only you know uh, Chicago, San Francisco. They're here now. They're they cover every team that you want covered, and they do it in an exceptional way with the best writers, without ads, without pop-ups, without you know just the rubbish that you deal with um, from people that are trying to make money off of the uh, you know the standard model. They kind of circumvented that and made it their own way, and it's it's a better way to take in sports uh, journalism, and I enjoy it a lot. And uh, Jake obviously writes for them. Tim Cato writes for them, and. If you're into national stuff, they got some heavy hitters that way, too. I mean, Zach Harper's power rankings came out today, which are very interesting. So theathletic.com slash four-pointer, uh, as little as two ninety nine a month, 40% off your first year with The Athletic. Please go there, check it out, and uh, thank us. Thank us later. But, so uh, yeah. I think the thing that I that I mean when I say that I don't really believe seven and two, it's not mm-hmm. so much that I think that what they're doing uh, looks fluky. It's that... It's really, really weird for a team to go from 22nd in defense in nine games to then second in defense in the next nine. Yeah, that's the thing I'm having the hardest time making sense of. Yeah. Is, okay, you're the best defensive team in basketball in November. <laughs> which is which is closer to the truth and which, you know, which can I make a real excuse for um, one way or the other? Um and I don't, I don't have an answer for you yet. We might get all the way through a month of basketball and me go, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know how they're doing this defensively. They were, they were due for some regression to the mean because people were shooting 45% against them from three. But, you know, I don't think this is, on, on, the, on the whole, this is the most talented defensive team in basketball. I don't think they have the best scheme in basketball. Like, I just don't think they're that defensive team, but they're doing it. And they've done it for an elongated time now. Yeah, we so talked about it. We talked about it through that first couple of weeks there, and to overreference the shot quality stat. But even if you don't really believe in shot quality, which I'm not sure why you wouldn't, it right. seems pretty airtight. But if you just want to look at the type of looks they were forcing, and if you make people take mid-range shots, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, you're going to end up fine. Yeah. And that's why, like, I thought, all right, you know, they don't have – and the other thing is, and I know there was a lot of talk about this in the offseason. Um, I think I've seen Tim write that, you know, privately maybe some staffers have told him, ah, they're worried about this, and that is the defense of Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes matters on defense, especially if the difference is that we're now playing, um, you know, smaller. And, and we need to talk about the lineup without Dennis and what that looks like. But Yeah, we can do a little Boston – post post game show for sure yeah because here's the weird thing about it man is that well let me break this let me see if i can do the filter on it real quick here because 45 percent from three at the beginning you're definitely not going to give that up for a year even if you 
are playing small. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, <laughs> through the last nine games, 30% allowed from three, the lowest in the league. Yeah. That's crazy. That's just, it's really weird to go from that berserk number, even if you are playing Zach Levine and you're playing Devin Booker and you're playing mm-hmm. who else went bonkers against us from Minnesota? Baysmore. Baysmore had a big game. Uh, I feel like someone in the Minnesota game went went kind of I mean, Derek, nuts. Derek Rose went a little, yeah, Derek Rose. A little there freaky you go. on us. So, yeah, they're, they've gone from being from giving up 45% to 30%. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle because if you think about it, they really do – they don't play that many subpar defenders anymore mm-hmm. with – well, let me put it this way. They rarely have more subpar than above-par defenders on the floor. Like, obviously, when yeah. they're playing Luka and Smith Jr. together, those guys are both bad defensively, or at least – I don't even know if I would say bad for Dennis anymore, but it's going to take a while for that perception to change. Mm-hmm. But at least when those guys are out there, they're usually out there with two wings. And regardless of what you think about DeAndre, he's still not, like, horrible. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I still think they probably, at the end of the year, will end up being, like, 15th in defense. And if you're 15th in defense, and then the offensive splits in this stretch are 19th through the first seven, or nine, and then 11 after that, I kind of buy 11 a little bit more. Yeah. If you're well, 11th thing, on offense and 15th on defense, you're at least threatening for the playoffs. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And, like, one of the things that's so confusing this year is the success of the of the Grizzlies. And the only thing I can come out of that, only logic I can make out of them being a good team right now, is that they have depth defensively. They can yes. roll up, roll out up to eight dudes, and none of them just kill you on the defensive side of the basketball. And they, they go deep into the bench, and they roll out another good defender. And I'm not saying our guys are, you know, uh, going to make all second-team all defense or anything like that from Luka, but, I mean, on a night-to-night basis, the only guy that was, like, legitimately having issues at the beginning of the year, at least, was Dennis. And if you give Jamal Mosley, our defensive coordinator, which I don't think his name gets brought up enough. Rick did it um, – in the post game uh, against Boston Saturday night, he brought up Jamal's name, but he's the defense coordinator. He he takes everything that the analytics guys gets him, everything he sees on the court, uh, everything that's happening out there defensively. That's Jamal, and so if you give him a little bit of a sample size of you know, let's say we go two and seven, and there's nine games of okay, these guys play well together, these don't. This, these these are the parts of the court that Dennis can't defend on. Uh, these are the parts that Luca can't defend on. I think he can figure it out, and he has. He's made it work, and it might be a little bit of smoke and mirror, but it really doesn't matter right now. It's because it's working so stinking well. And um, so Saturday night, the Celtics game. The Celtics came into town. They've been struggling a little bit. Uh, I think they were 10-9 and nine heading into that can game. Can I say one more thing about Memphis real quick? Of course. I think uh, the other thing about Memphis is, is that they were trying to suck last year after Gasol – and Conley yeah. went down. And so, one, they got a super, super smooth player who is plug-and-play ready mm-hmm. uh, at least – I don't know. I mean, I know that some of their numbers with Jaren Jackson on the floor defensively are not great, but he's going to be fine. Yeah. And he's been awesome, uh, at least as far as showing potential. So, I, I think mean, very, that, very similar to us, I, I think. Yeah. Their, yeah. their arc. 100%. Like, that's what I'm saying is that I think whenever you look at a team that lost as many close games – as the Mavericks did last year, and then some of the lineups they were playing to lose those close games, they can deny it all they want, but they were obviously trying to lose games down the stretch 
or not putting their best foot forward to win them. And so I think I can't remember, but I think I put Memphis in the playoffs. Yeah, I think in our did. predictor. And I thought you know maybe just eighth. Just I don't think they're they're headed anywhere. But if Conley and Gasol, if both those guys play most of the season, then I thought okay they're a lot better than their record was last year. And I think Dallas is. Is similar, so I just yeah, that's one reason I thought. I mean, I don't think they're going to end up winning the conference or whatever they're at now, right? Uh, but I thought they'd be much better than than their over under indicated. Yeah, that's one of those tricky things. Whenever you do your predictions early in the season, it's not really fun to put a directionless team into mm-hmm. the playoffs because <laughs> right. I think I think I could you know say the Grizzlies are like a. Uh, low end 35, top end 45 win team, and that's never fun to like. And they're not, and they're not exciting either. Uh, we can and they could very out. easily be worse next year. Whereas oh, I don't think absolutely. that'll be the case with Dallas. Yeah, it's just not fun to put a directionless team into your playoff predictions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's they're they're interesting, and the Mavs might have that kind of peak at some point here in the next week. You know, if they, um, you know, hit Houston in the mouth. And then, uh, you know, take on the Lakers, then people are going to be talking about the Mavs for, you know, a hot 10 days there, like they were the Grizzlies. And, you know, showing everybody their defensive numbers and why this is, why some people will think it's sustainable and why we're going to go, hey, those numbers are probably going to normalize here pretty quick. But anyway, okay, so Saturday night. Um, Dennis, Dennis had a wrist issue that came up last week. And I don't know if it was falling on his wrist. I don't, I don't know when it occurred. I haven't been able to pinpoint that. But he shows up and he plays the let's see Brooklyn Wednesday Brooklyn night. game Brooklyn game barely shoots um, is pretty reluctant to shoot the jumper at least um, not one of his best games but you know they win and good, and they good they didn't need him in the second half at all I mean no he only played seven minutes in the second half of like nineteen yeah. total in the game or something yeah yeah nineteen yeah and so he plays through it it was kind of questionable going into that game. And so he has some he had some personal issue as well where he didn't he couldn't be at practice Friday. So it was just a simple decision to sit Dennis. So now we get what um I think most Mavs fans would consider the the next great Mavs offense is gonna be built around Luka Doncic, right? I think we've all kind of um pledged our allegiance to the religion of, of Luka thirty percent usage guy. And so Luca is. Me and Bobby were sitting there watching it. We're like, okay, so who's starting tonight? Because they wouldn't. They didn't say it for a long time. I was like, man, they're probably gonna roll out Devin uh, at starting point guard just to not screw up their rotations, uh, so they could keep Barea with the second unit um, and just have a guy that runs in there and mimics Dennis and then ducks out of there uh, with you know 20 minutes played and Devin Harris. And then no, they they put out the lineup uh, maybe 30 minutes before the game. And the Luca is listed as the one, and so here we go. Um, the first quarter was freaking exceptional. Um, I think it was nine points, five assists, dimed up a couple dudes on wide open three point looks. Uh, Wes a couple times, Barnes twice. Man, um, I think I can't remember if it was Barnes or Finney Smith, but it was completely across the baseline, and it was stupid. He did it to Barnes on the. Uh, it was the mid corner. first quarter or something, yeah. yeah. Corner, almost corner to corner. Yeah, he actually, he got bars. doubled in the post. Yeah, and he yeah. <laughs> just whipped it to the other side. I was like, Jesus, dude. Yeah, the I didn't first even know quarter he was there. <laughs> exactly, 
Exactly. Like that's that takes supreme vision and trust and just kind of being pig-headed with the basketball and going, all right, I'm going to draw you in here and then I'm kicking this ball out. And that's how this play is going to go. Um, whereas, you know, other people that handle the ball like that, like I don't think J.J. makes that pass as good as J.J.'s been playing. And I know Dennis doesn't make that pass right now. He's not seeing the court like that. So first quarter, nine points, uh, five assists. The Mavs score 32 points, um, shoot seven of ten from three uh, in the first quarter in which Luca plays nine minutes and 12 seconds. And that was just um, – that was like giving a kid a cigarette. <laughs> like – I was like, whew, okay, how do we do this some more? And it br- brings up, you know, some sticky conversations that have to happen. Um, I guess first let's focus on the the super positive of it all. Luca can play starting point guard and create mismatches um, and the willingness of the team to, you know, do smart things like post up Kyrie Irving. Not that post ups are the end all be all of offensive basketball right now, but making Kyrie work his legs on the defensive end and really frustrate him, I felt like was a key to that game. And then, you know, whenever Luka is out there at point guard um, and actually has the point guard duties, primary ball handler duties, I think he single-handedly turns them into a good three-point shooting team because because of the ball movement, man. I mean, he whips it fast and clean, and gets it where it's supposed to go um, when he's not trying to, you know, hot dog and throw alley-oops and off-the-backboard stuff. When he's actually running an offense and there's, you know, sets that are designed for, you know, the ball. This is the open open spot in the court that's supposed to be created from this this action right here. Man, he is freaking awesome distributing the basketball, whether it's across – completely all the way across the paint to the corner, whether it's just finding the simple guy at the right time. Like a lot of those West threes were just timing. It's West got his man hooked on a screen, took one step to the right, and he's he's wide open, and Luca got it to him at the perfect exact moment. And that was with one practice on Friday of Luca running point guard. And I guess I'll, I'll pose the question. I guess give me your impressions of – of him, I guess, early again in the Boston game, and I guess all the way through the Boston game, him playing um, starting point guard, and then we'll talk about some of the other the other stuff that comes of it. He definitely had some rough stretches in the third quarter, and he turned. He's still, he's just all at least for all of this year, and at least for probably the first couple years, he's going to turn the ball over a lot. And I think yeah. he's a coachable player, but I mean that's another thing during this nine game stretch that's really weird. It's not like this is just related to Luca at all, although I do think I should probably look up his splits as far as first nine and last nine usage rating because they went from um, – they had the highest turnover percentage in the league during the 7-2 stretch. We still do. Yeah, yeah. So 7, seven uh, 27th in assist to turnover and highest turnover percentage in the league in the 7-2 and two stretch. And so – and that is also with them playing at a, at a much slower pace than they played for the first – uh, month of the season so they mm-hmm. slowed it down and they still continue to turn the, the ball over a lot the plus side of slowing it down obviously is that you're not giving up an f ton of threes yeah so there are pros and cons to it but uh yeah it's it's almost you almost feel dirty being so excited about how he looks with the ball in his hands because you just it's really really hard to imagine uh, there really being that many possessions where you need Smith Jr. to be the guy initiating your offense. Mm-hmm. 
But I also don't think that means that there's no role for, for Junior. But in any case, yeah, I think that he – I mean, it looked to me like Carlisle straight up benched him in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, because he was just trying crazy dribble the ball, you know, the air out of the ball type stuff. And I that almost step, wonder – step back, that went air ball. <laughs> I think that, that kind of pissed Rick off. Whenever he had a he had really gross – 10 seconds of the, the shot clock. He had a gross floater, and he had a gross step back. Now, he also yeah. had some a phenomenal uh, of both earlier in the game, and mm-hmm. he had the uh, the now infamous Kyrie yeah, know, the, up and under three. The, the rope-a-dope. Yeah, but, you know, I wonder if the future for him is that you can kind of keep what makes him special while also limiting his turnovers – uh, and some of his crazy bad shots. Or mm-hmm. if you eventually just have to say, it would be best if we just had what essentially amounted to two full-time point guards on the floor most of the time. Mm-hmm. And whether whoever's bringing up the ball regardless, I mean, I think the thing that I've been most encouraged by this year related to Doncic and the future, it has nothing to do with Luka. It has to do with Smith Jr.'s shot. Yeah. So if he's going to shoot 39%, and by the way, he doesn't turn the ball over really. Yeah. At least if you're comparing him to to Luca. I mean, Smith Jr. actually it's they're higher than this year, but he's also um still Yeah, stati- statistically you're right. I just feel like some of those wild ass drives at the basket where the ball goes flying off the backboard and there's no chance of it going in. I kind of should be mentally, called a turnover. I, yeah, I can I kind of mentally tally those as turnovers. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that had no chance. <laughs> well, and <laughs> especially since it had, you a lot of times feel like it had no chance of drawing a foul. Yeah. Um, whereas Doncic, a lot of times, it, it seems like it does. But I don't know. I mean, they're, de- they're definitely going to have to work it out because if they want to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, the best version of their team has the ball in Luka's hands as much as possible. And I, I don't think that means, hey, it's time to move on from Dennis or anything crazy like that. They just have to figure out, you know, I think you want guys who can be secondary attackers and if both of them can shoot then you know I still have hope that that's that that's the future and and the one other thing about that lineup that they started is just that it's so long yeah and it just looks so modern Mm -hmm. and it would be even a step further if they played Kleba with them and then you'd have five guys that can shoot five guys that are all tall five guys that can all pass um so I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird because there's gonna be times where, as they're trying to figure out how to make this work, they're actively going to be costing themselves efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the overall thing that I take away from it is everybody says, you know, is it Luke or is it Dennis in this binary fashion? And that's a very uh, I only watch ESPN for my NBA knowledge take. Um, and that's not how I see the thing at all. I see it as, okay, Luca's clearly a very potent point guard, um, and the ball movement looks better when he's on the court, um, and the three-point shooting is gets fixed because he finds guys at the right time and can make really difficult passes. Also, they didn't score really in the fast break at all, and I can, I can deal with that if the, if the uh, early offense is that good. Um, and for stretches the other night it was. But what I'm trying to say is the roles that we have in our mind for these two guys that are 20, now Dennis is 21, happy birthday, by the way, uh, and then Luca, who's 19, what we had in mind is listing them and playing them by 
you know, the point guard and shooting guard old school um, ideals. To me, at some point this season, that's going to flip. It's going to be Dennis is going to get – or Luke is going to get 70% of the primary ball handler possessions as a true point guard, and Dennis will probably get 30 to 40% of that. And what Dennis needs to get better at, what the peak of this team is to me, is if Dennis turns into like a Monte, yeah. uh, where he's cutting, where he's picking up, you know, the the rubble of a of a Luca DeAndre pick and roll and just killing people, and just going straight at the rim and cutting their throats if he doesn't have an open three, which he's become a very good shooter this season, which is the most impressive thing thing of his year uh, thus far to me. But to me, you just almost kind of like flip their roles. And I know Dennis wants to be a point guard. And he's always played quote-unquote point guard. But the highest ceiling for this collection right now um, in the next whatever it is, uh, 60-something games, 64 games, is Luka, primary ball handler, Dennis slicing, cutting, shooting open threes and picking up the garbage on the secondary pick and roll. And it's kind of – you. It, it's going to be a – it's going to be a – a kind of test of uh, the fan bases, not not patience, but their willingness to turn on their own uh, presumptions because everybody looked at what happened whenever Luca got drafted and said, okay, Dennis will run a pick and roll and then Luca will run the secondary one and do this. Well, let's flip it. Let's flip it a little bit. And there's still plenty of shots for both the dudes. Um, and Wes can still get his shots. And you know, we can still talk about West going to the second unit if we want and starting Dorian Finney-Smith whenever Dennis gets back. Um, but to me, I, I definitely think they can work. Like, off of one game going, these guys aren't, aren't you know, to make a, a franchise-changing um, decision off one game. And granted, the other team hadn't even seen Luca play point guard like that. Like, there's not a book out on him of him running points and being a 30% usage guy. So... I don't know. I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. I'm also extremely happy that he played that well. And I kind of saw this coming, that Dennis needs to learn how to play off him more than Luca needs to learn how to play off Dennis. Yeah, I, I think that even though it's one game of evidence, I don't think it's – I think we all knew that. You know, I think everybody <laughs> yeah. knew that from the time they made the pick. And they probably knew that even before it was even certain that Doncic was going to be your guy. It was pretty clear last year – that Smith Jr. is not a traditional point guard, right? Uh, and I don't even really know what that means anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. <clears throat> I, I, there are teams that win with that. You know what I mean? It's not like that ha- holds any water to me. Like yeah. traditional point guard, I'm like, okay, how many traditional point guards are there? Yeah, so, and and a lot of those guys aren't like great. <laughs> yeah, so, lo- yeah, exactly. Uh, and I I think the other thing is that if you have them both on the floor, you can excel. I in a perfect world, you can excel both in the half court uh, and in the full court because yes. I still think Dennis is very valuable uh, running the break. Whether it's you know he has the ball, whether Luca Luca has the ball, he that's still a weapon. And so yeah, I I think that uh, this should all be looked at as a good problem that they have to figure out. As opposed mm-hmm. to a, hey, we just don't need this guy. Because right. if you think that, then you probably, I don't know, I I don't want to sound like a jerk and say you just don't watch the league, but that's just not working that many places. It's about figuring out who can play together. Now, the one thing you also have to mention is um, the player has to buy in. Yeah, absolutely. So 
that is sometimes easier said than done. Like, for example, yeah. uh, through the first nine games, Smith Jr. led the league in usage rating or led the team, and now he's down to third uh, mm-hmm. behind J.J. and Luka. It's not a huge shift, um, and he didn't play in the game Saturday, so his stretch is eight games instead of nine. Um, but still, he's still third highest on your team, um, which I don't, you know, I don't think is a bad thing. And, and I, again, I would, I would reiterate that he's shooting the three pretty well. Yeah. So if you're doing that, then I mean, dude, he's. If you would have told me that he would be sitting at nearly forty percent from three, even I would say through any sixteen game stretch of the season, I don't think I would have believed you. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to to touch on your point about. Okay, this is this is a good problem to have and a good problem for them to figure out. If you're if you're a guy that thinks that one game sample size and having too many good traits in your backcourt uh, is is a bad thing, you probably would have t- traded Clay Thompson for Kevin Love about seven years ago. <laughs> Very <laughs> like true. You, you would have dealt Clay for Kevin Love, and I don't know if it's as simple as, <clears throat> pardon me, I don't know if it's as simple as. If it's a live ball rebound, Dennis brings the ball up. If it's out of the basket, Luca brings the ball up. But there might be that some kind of model like that that gets put into place. Yes. Because Dennis will push it, and he creates problems immediately the second he crosses half court. Um, and then Luca's just better right now with his vision and his patience and, you know, just picking at the defense and finding, um, you know, the perfect play that needs to be made. And he's not quite Berea level. And then, you know, we got to talk about J.J. Berea at some point because through 18 games of the season, uh, that guy's the sixth man of the year. Like, there's no doubt in my freaking mind. That guy's so good right now. Yeah, I mean. I don't don't understand. He does uh, this a lot. He's very streaky. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't, I certainly don't see him sustaining it for that, you know, for that long. And the Clippers have some pretty good bench players that they're relying mm-hmm. on. But for sure, he's been great. I just wonder, it's kind of like with the Spurs and the Patriots over the years, is I, I never wanted to say, oh, this is it for Berea. But I do think that somewhat relates to Smith Jr., too, because I think right now it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to stagger his minutes with, with Luka. But. You know, I could see next year, let's say that J.J. retires, which doesn't seem likely, but it certainly I've thought it for like the last three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you could see a situation where Smith Jr. handles the second unit more. Yeah. Or Very vice true. versa, you know, or, or Luca does. But that they don't always have to play together. And then you still have some punch, especially if, if Smith Jr. is going to be shooting north of 36% from three. I mean, look – we got really, really excited about Dennis, and we should be because he's an exciting player and he's a foundational piece, but there are a lot of ninth overall picks who top out as six men. Oh, yeah. And especially guys who were the fourth or fifth point guard taken in their draft. Now, I'm not saying that that's what he's going to be, and it makes it kind of tricky when it comes time to figure out your money, yeah, but I don't think it's a tough. horrible thing to think of him as a guy who captains, who plays starting minutes, uh, but also does a lot of it with a second unit. It's way mm. too early to tell, but I just – I think we all got, like, way too excited about the idea that, hey, we got the ninth overall pick, and this is a guy who was at the start of the year being talk, talked at about his top three. Uh, 
and I think that the way we're feel the way we we're we're basically applying appropriate excitement to Luca, and we were kind of trying to do this last year about Junior. Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 don't know how to act. Like, yeah, and if I regard. say like, "Hey, I think this guy's really good," people are like, "Are right, he an all star?" And I'm like, "Hell no!" Like <laughs> yeah. this is the NBA. Like that doesn't even that's not a conversation for at least like the first five years of his career. Yeah, I mean to answer uh, a roundabout way to answer a lot of questions that people have about you know the future of Dennis here and what what uh, you know what are we supposed to do now? Luca had one great game playing point guard and. You know, uh, I don't like how Dennis stares down the ref and scowls at people. Okay. Yeah, well, so, one, does, so does Luca, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude. Like, yeah, he, he gets into it. He's, I mean, that's why Jalen Brown gave him a WWE off the rope, you oh, know, yeah. bump. That was about, that, the, was, that had been cooking since early in the game. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, he tripped over his own feet jogging back one time because he was so uh, obsessed with the idea of turning around and barking at Boston's bench. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, my man almost fell over because he's just real concerned about barking at Kyrie and Marcus Morris and uh, Boston's bench. But uh, a, a long way of how, how I look at the Dennis situation and the, and the goals for him and what I want from Dennis Smith Jr. and how he reaches his potential and, you know, is best used here. The highest possible outcome for Dennis Smith Jr. right now is him fulfilling his Mavericks career here. I mean, his NBA career here and developing with the Mavericks. Because if you're talking, you know, if people want to send me a lot of trade questions on Twitter, which, by the way, we're not going to – I'm not going to debate trades with people. Like, I'm an employee of the team, and I work with these guys, and I have to, like, see them every other day, and that's just not how I'm going to go about my business. But there are a lot of trades out there, a lot of trade ideas and little amateur GMs out there trying to move Dennis places. And what I'll tell you is the most value that Dennis Smith Jr. will have in this league – in his first five years is with the Mavericks is fulfilling his potential here because if you try and trade a guy whose usage has gone down who hasn't you know developed into a true point guard quite yet and is missing games now with the wrist injury like why would you trade that guy like the value is not high right now the best outcome from him is being good and being good here so just give it a little bit of time and let it happen and don't go you know run to the trade machine after one game, you know? Uh, so that's my long, that's my soapbox on the Dennis issue and all the questions people have sent via, via Twitter. But uh, JJ Bray will be here next year. I, gar- I, can, I can go ahead and guarantee you that, just, uh, just talking to the guy. Um, he's, he's honestly one of the most approachable dudes and the coolest dudes. Like, direct quote from him um, in the locker room, what other job can I get that makes me that pays me two point four million dollars a year? <laughs> <laughs> like that's the minimum for him next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, he careered last year and he hasn't fallen off that much this year. Yeah. So he's just he's just awesome, man. Um, what what a treat whenever he's going uh, that he is to watch. Especially but, when uh, it's with Devin and it feels like yeah. basketball stepbrothers. Yes, absolutely, um, and. To that point, I think – I don't know. I see I see Luca play with Berea a lot. Um, or I, I say a lot. My last memory of a game is from Saturday, and they played together quite a few minutes. And I feel like Luca never really got quite engaged. Like, whenever JJ's bringing the ball up, Luca just kind of went and stood in the corner. Um, and nothing wrong with that. Like, they still scored, and you can chop up any stat you want. Um, and it kind of uh, – 
it's going to look good when J.J. Barea is in the court because he's really good at offense right now. Um, but when Luca and he were out there, I didn't, I didn't love what I saw out of Luca. So maybe just slide Dennis Smith Jr. into that role. Let him play next to Barea. I think he brings more to that lineup uh, than Luca would, quite honestly. But uh, that's his little side note. Yeah, it'll be um, interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, I think the difference to me is that they're just – it's just in a weird way, Luca and Barea have like semi-redundant skill set. Yeah, because absolutely. Like, yeah, even though they might get to it in different ways, they're both trying to get to the rim and kick. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, they're trying to shoot. You know, like that's – Dennis offers at least you a little something different. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, I think the other thing was just seeing, like, how different it looks whenever you don't have a guy who's short on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really attractive and really, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't think you have to have uh, that look, but I also think that if you can pull it off, man, is it sweet. Yeah, I think that's a trick they can probably go to different times this season. Like, they learned a new trick, you know what I mean? Um, they they learned a new uh, – we're down eight. This team doesn't have uh, good defenders in their backcourt. Let's uh, let's try this. Let's yeah. try Luke, Luco West, Dorian Barnes, and and DeAndre real quick and see what happens. Um, and that can, I mean, they can raise hell on other teams. And Boston's in kind of a mess right now. They're, uh, you know, at some points you look down there. Whenever Haywood Hayward is not playing, you look down there and it's it's Jason Tatum and Rozier Smart. Um, like Baines and, you know, a fourth random bench guy or, or uh, yeah, or Simi's out there. And you're like, well, where are they getting any shooting from? And the answer is they weren't. Um, it was if Tatum's not making an open jumper, then there's no shooting being made. But um, I think Jason Tatum, too, and I, I don't want to throw rain. Uh, I don't want to throw water. I wouldn't throw rain on a parade, but <laughs> that's, I guess you could. God could if she wanted to. But uh I mean, just think about what everybody thought about Tatum last year, and I'm still super high on the guy. Yeah. Um, he's really young, but he's obviously struggling in his second year. And so mm-hmm. just remember that this dude was dropping 20 points a game throughout, like, three playoff series and kind of looks like butt through most of the second year so far. Yeah. So yeah. that's very unlikely that Doncic will reach the height that Tatum did last year as far as – you know, scoring like that in the postseason. Now his numbers overall may be better, but it's not going to just be straight, hey, you know, Luke is great this year, so he'll be, you know, more great, mm-hmm. great, greaterist uh, right. next year. Yeah. One quick thing on their defense uh, as we scatter shoot around, I wanted to uh, tell you that I just saw this and just trying to dig into what's different about their defense. Uh-huh. And we have a pretty clean nine-game split again. And I told you this a couple of weeks ago that they were they give up a ton of corner threes. Yeah. Uh, the difference is is that through the first seven games of the year, people were hitting all of them. The corner three, the easiest shot, they were giving up at 46%. And the corner three now, they're giving up at 25%. Mm. So the main difference is not how many they've been allowing. They've allowed fewer threes overall. Mm-hmm. But as far as the share of them that are corner threes is still pretty much the same, and they've almost had a you know a fifty percent decrease. Yeah, that, that's I, just weird. That's just a fluky I thing wonder, to keep track of. So I'm thinking of whenever I see a corner three go up against the Mavs, and I'm trying to ro- go through my 
mental Rolodex of, uh, you know, my own little playlist of when a shot goes up from the corner three. I feel like that's a lot of the time being defended by Dorian, Wes, or like Maxi. Yeah. And so maybe the theory is, okay, we'll give you open looks, but I'm going to give you open looks against my guys that close out really stinking well. Yeah. I might even throw Barnes in there. Yeah, Barnes as well. I'm sorry. Sorry I left out Harry B. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give you open looks. I'm not going to give you anything above the break because you can shoot over Dennis. You can shoot over Berea. Um, You know, if Devin's out there, he's fine. But we're usually at a negative in terms of defending the three above the break. So I'm going to bait you into shooting this corner three. But I also have, you know, a true maniac in Dorian Finney-Smith that's going to be closing out on you. Um, And his primary role on this set right here is to be a help defender and leave you a little bit open and make you think you're open. And then this, you know, 6'9 dude's going to come flying out of nowhere, which Dorian Finney-Smith, I don't know how you gain the mentality of being a psychopath defensively, but I think he's done that. Got to be. I mean, obviously, you have if you have to scrap to get into the league, uh, yeah. I think that's part of it, man. It's going to be a real. By the way, they're they are pretty. Uh, they're like top ten in lowest percentage of above the break threes. Uh, yeah, like percentage allowed. So yeah, that definitely checks out, man. Interesting. I don't know to, if that's the theory, but it's just kind of. Well, I think it is. I think they they want to give you a lot of uh, mid-range three. They want to give you a lot of mid-range shots, and then if you're going to take threes, unlike with most teams, they're saying, look, we'll take them over here because this is Mm -hmm. where we have guys who can defend it. And I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, speculating about the Maxi next contract. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a real shame if I don't get Maxi and Vinny Smith back next year. And I know you're going to have a weird situation with Barnes, who we probably need to at least spend a few minutes on. Um, yeah. It's it's really hard to imagine all three of those guys being back, even with Wes's money coming off the the books. It will kind of depend on what sort of decision they make with DeAndre or whoever replaces him. Right. But, I mean, I think the number that whoever it was that I followed throughout there was like, that's four for 40. Yeah. I mean – if you if you're making a decision after nine, 18 games on, um, okay, this this got really tough. We're running out of money. We want to sign this free agent over here, but also it's Dorian or or Maxi. I think that decision's kind of easy right now, right? Yeah, I mean it is, but it depends on. I think that for whatever reason, it seems like they've been way more reluctant to experiment with Maxi, not for whatever reason, it's because of DeAndre's number, but they're more reluctant to experiment with Maxi as a starter. His skill set is much more rare, mm-hmm. but Finney Smith is a nice fit yeah. with Doncic and Smith Jr. Now, Maxi could be too. It's just like, you know, it's weird to say a guy that I might be a career really great backup like Maxi would make more than a guy who's a starter like Finney Smith, but that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be tough because depending on what they decide to do with Wes um, and what they decide to do with DeAndre, like I don't, I've looked at the free agent list. I've I've uh, I've I've got that in my pocket already. I've got a good understanding of what's going to be available, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll do respect for, for to DeAndre for getting one year and twenty four million. 
I just don't know if I'm ever going to pay a center that much money again. So where do you start spending your money? You know what I mean? Like, uh, is it, I think Dorian and Maxi. I think it's Dorian 1A, it's Maxi 1B. Um, and that comes after whatever your hopefully max level free agent acquisition is. So you're saying Finney Smith over Maxi for sure. That's your preference yeah. for sure? Yeah, I think so, yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it just it's just there aren't like a ton neither one of those skill sets I would say there's a ton of and especially as bereft as they've been of wings. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to keep Dorian, but man, if you can <laughs> block shots and shoot threes. The he real been question shooting threes that well late though. That's felt like that was like a first five game trick. The real question is what would happen if he played more. Yeah. Which we kind of already know that with Right. Yeah, and I mean I don't we'll know, dude. Whenever. He's we'll see. There's been a couple you, little games here where Maxi's popped from three. Yeah, he's also had a lot where he's like, terrible. Just, he's had just, some yeah, offers. Just, just some really bad misses, like three in one game. Whenever I'm like, okay, this could put us up by five, and it's just a loud. It's a really loud out. <laughs> where Dorian um, really hasn't had. Like Dorian's a, is so. He's had a couple of bad games, man. but after, but since you know, for the most part, he's been pretty. He's really solid. consistent, always the best defender, always going to fight like a an insane person to chase around the other team's, you know, best wing player. And it's just – it's fun to watch, and I I hope he's the top priority. But both of them are having really good seasons and kind of breakout years and deserve to get paid. So it's, it's going to be difficult. But uh, I think we're going to learn quite a bit about what they see the future of Maxi Kleber as whenever Dirk comes back. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally haven't. I I've thought he could have played more recently. You know, I mean, they've yep. been they've been going with Salah. Yeah, they're working Salah in there just to keep people's minutes short, and because Salah can go up there, go in there and junk up, junk up a game real quick, <laughs> if someone's causing problems. Uh, but Dirk is, I'm gonna say, um, next ten days. I think Dirk plays. Really? Yeah, I think it's pretty soon. Um, I might pinpoint Sunday if I had to uh, had to make a wild guess, and that's with no you know uh, confirmation on this wild guess. It's just me reading um, his activity and what he's been doing, and you know when he started full on practicing and the stuff he's doing on the practice court. Which he's practicing with Luca a lot right right now, which I find pretty cool. Um, and I think last Friday, last Saturday was his first full practice. Um, and so I don't know, maybe Sunday, maybe next week, sometime. <coughs> but what that means, and a lot of people asked about that on Twitter, like what's the rotations? Um, right now, they still need shooting on the second unit, and it's been kind of hard to judge because Dwight Powell's missed a handful of games. And if you told me. This bench was still going to be, you know, um, hell on wheels with Dwight Powell out a few games. I would have called you a stinking liar uh, before this happened. But they've been really awesome uh, in the time that Dwight Powell's been out. Like, I worried about Brea. I was like, how's Brea going to survive without Dwight yeah. Powell out there? But he's been great. He's played almost even better. He's made more tough shots. He's, you know, um, gone at the rim when people just aren't expecting uh him too and just he's making everything right now and at some point he's not going to make everything but when Powell comes back and is healthy from his knee issue and Dirk comes back and is playing regular minutes with his ankle issue 
you're going to learn what their perception of Maxi Cleaver is. And I think Dirk still needs to play 15, 20 minutes a night to, you know, uh, work in some shooting here and there with lineups that aren't, aren't uh, you know, lethal enough from three and can't stretch teams and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't know. If, there's not enough minutes right now. <laughs> there just isn't. You can't go, you know, nine deep of 20-plus minutes a, uh, a night, guys. That, that, those just, that just doesn't exist. Like, not that much time exists in, in a basketball game. So, I think Dirk still plays 15-20, and I think it comes at the, at the loss of maybe five minutes from Maxi. Maybe they start lightening Barnes's load a little bit, because I know Rick is constantly worried about that. He talks about that after every game, which I find weird. Um, it's, you know, how many – Barnes was heading into the fourth with 30 minutes already on the books, he said the other night in the Boston game, and I was like, okay. Well, he's your max player. Put him back out there. <laughs> Let's run some more. But Rick seems to be really concerned about that. He's, yeah. really concerned about, he's really concerned about Dorian's minutes as well. <clears throat> um, and for good reason. I mean, Casey Smith knows what he's doing. He goes over there and taps him on the side and says, hey, get him out. Uh, he's at this number. But I think there's a little going to be a little bit of uh, release valve off Barnes, off Maxi. I don't think Dwight Powell's minutes get affected by Dirk, but maybe, maybe one or two a game does. So that's how Dirk fits into me. Uh, if you have a completely different viewpoint of it or if you're going to shed a tear for the minutes of Maxi Kleber, please, please. No, I think the, the constant is that it'll be Dirk in games he plays in and then it'll be night to night for the other three guys. Yeah. And yeah. that's not, you know, if I were Maxi, I would be probably kind of pissed. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he, he's a good soldier. I know, but I more mean that you're free and you really haven't made much money. Mm-hmm. And this is probably your best shot. Yeah. Where you're you're playing pretty well. The league is trending towards your game. You know, you're gonna be twenty is he twenty five? So like the next time he's yeah. free, he might be like thirty. Right. This is a pretty and look, we've seen a lot of guys get paid on potential, so I still think he'll be all right, but uh and I and I also don't think when Dirk comes back that he's gonna play every game or even mm-hmm. close to every game. So maybe that part will sort itself out. And yeah, they definitely manage the load on Harrison and his 14 back his first seven were a few more minutes per game than Ooh. his last seven but dude his splits are ridiculous during this stretch too yeah if you look at his during the uh during the seven and two stretch he's at 44 percent from three yeah man and only like 29 before that so again you're talking about playing like three guys who can shoot 38 to 40 percent from three and a rim runner, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, and you know super skilled passer. So I don't know. I I kind of wish that they were signing Harrison Barnes to the deal that they signed him to a couple years ago this off season, mm-hmm. just so that his window could match up a little bit more. Right. You know, because I. If I could run it back and have and sign twenty four hair twenty four year old Harrison Barnes to play with Luca and Dennis this off season, I'd be way more excited about signing twenty seven to twenty eight year old through thirty two year old. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna yeah. get weird. <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think uh, the point you made about you know Dirk's not gonna play back to backs, so I think eighty percent of the games that happen out there, it's gonna be pretty clear. Um, who the third big is it's not going to be like a, a mystery and then in those games that's fine then you you know you work everybody else in with 
whatever minute layout you have of Dirk playing 16, 17, Maxie playing 15, and Dwight Powell being constant. But I think they're going to take that decision out of their own hands a lot of the nights. Uh, it's going to be pretty obvious whenever it's a Maxie night or whenever it's a, <coughs> you know, a Dirk sitting night. Yeah, but, so, uh, I mean, maybe even, like, down the stretch, there'll be games where Barnes doesn't play. Yeah. And if you're yeah. in that situation that – or I mean, uh, if Dorian you know, needs a night off, you know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's the one thing they can do is that they they can afford to to rest pretty solid role players without really losing a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I do I do think that you noticed when Wes wasn't out there in with the second unit at all how much their shooting dried up and I I don't know that he you know he's not going to go to the bench I would imagine at this point but it was kind of nice having him out there with with you know second unit players because he still can shoot. So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to get Wes run or anything. I just thought you kind of noticed his absence uh, bench-wise with some of the uh, some of the games he missed. Yeah, and I think there is value to guys running out there and knowing, okay, I'm either only playing 20 minutes or I literally don't have to play tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, and you can just kind of go psycho in the minutes you are on the, on the court. But uh, – I was trying to pick through some of these Twitter questions, and I think we touched on all of them. Um, so I don't think we need to circle back. Uh, a lot of Luca playing point guard. What you got? Well, uh, the last thing for me is I, I gave you the guess that I saw on Maxi's deal. What do you think the the uh, guess on Finney Smith is? I mean, I was going to say four for 44. Um, somewhere around that range. I mean, he's a <laughs> – average starter makes 15 now. Right, I think it's like fifteen to sixteen. Um, if you're paying under that for uh, a guy that's basically going to might be your starter next year, um, if they choose to go that route, I think that they should. You're getting you're getting surplus value, and that's a very there are so few opportunities right now. Yeah, uh, with a team that has, you know, doesn't have a they most likely doesn't have their first round pick this year. Um, isn't is going to live by free agency at least for the next, uh, you know, 12 to 18 months to get surplus value on a contract. It just doesn't exist when you're playing the free agency game. And so I think Dorian likes it here. I think Dorian trusts this coaching staff. I think they did the right thing and gave him time to develop, even though, you know, we as a fan base might have gotten frustrated with him, um, you know, through the injuries last year and things like that. They were smart about it. And I think you can get surplus value out of Dorian Finney-Smith on his next contract, uh, even if it is a big number. So Yeah, yeah. what's interesting about it is, is I mean, DeAndre, Barnes, and Wes are – so three of your starters nominally mm -hmm. right now are free. And I would bet almost anything that two of those guys are gone, if not all three. Barnes has a player option. Barnes uh, does. I just wonder if he'll be – you know, if this is a, a supposedly a money year – yeah, it is a money year, and that's the thing. When we've talked about this quite a bit, I'm like, percentage chance that he wants to hit free agency. Um, and, I mean, it's a big number, 24 or whatever it is next year, 25. It's a big um, number. He might just want to lock something up. So what I'm yeah. saying is I think if they're re-signing Finney Smith, it is 100% for him to be a starter. Yeah, Whether he's replacing yeah. Wes or Barnes or some combination of both. Yeah, he. I agree. Because <laughs> – 
if Dwight Powell and Harrison Barnes declined their options, as much as it feels like this thing has got foundational pieces and is headed in the right direction, they basically have three guaranteed contracts next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because Ray Spaulding and Ryan Brokoff are non-guaranteed. Right. And so you're just looking at Luca Jr. and Brunson. <laughs> so, like, that's not usually what you mean when you say, like, hey, man. Yeah. We're really picking this thing up and headed in the right direction. So, yeah, I would say that Finney Smith is pretty high on the list, and it just comes down to whether or not you feel like you can go lure another star or not when it comes yeah. to if you have room for Maxi. Yeah, and the other part of that that's super interesting to me, that's as interesting a question as the Barnes uh, potential opt-in, is Dwight Powell's player option. Because I think think he's probably worth more than that um right now uh 10 million a year is you know uh it's it's the definition of what 10 million a year can get you in the nba has changed quite drastically from oh, yeah. from the time when he signed that contract and maybe maybe maxi is you know the next white pal maybe um that's that formula of not hide a guy, but let the guy develop enough to where he's, you know, can break out next year, uh, can play heavier minutes, but also limiting him so other teams don't know how good he is, but then taking care of him on the back end. That's the Dwight Powell formula, right? That's yeah. like the Brandon Wright formula. That's what they probably wish they would have done with Al Farouk Aminu, um, which is showcase a guy enough to where he can develop, but also don't let other teams uh, realize how stinking good he is and then take care of him long term. Um, and so the Dwight Powell opt-in is very, very interesting to me because one year, 10 million for that guy, he's worth way more than that. Um, and other teams, you know, since he doesn't start, the perception of him around the league, I'm curious as to what it is, but other teams know he knows that he goes in there and kills them. Um, when he and Bray get on the floor together, uh, this lead that we have is about to evaporate. So I'm very curious about that one. But, you know, we got a whole year to worry about that. Um, we do. So I think we touched on all these Twitter questions. I'm trying to skim through them pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, a lot of Dirk, you know, what happens with Dirk? When's Dirk coming back? And then Luca playing point guard. So I think we kind of exhausted uh, both those topics. Um, one interesting thing, uh, a couple interesting notes that I wrote down. Um so the Mavs have played the third easiest schedule thus far in the NBA. Um, they won the last six games that J.J. Bray has played. <laughs> They're number one in defense in November in terms of defensive rating. And they have six games coming up with teams ahead of them in the, sca- in the standings. So if you're going to make any hay, if this all is for real and you're really a 7-2 and kind of team uh, and this newfound defense is here to stay, you're about to figure it out because uh, six straight games against teams above you in the standings is going to test you. And I do feel like they're deep enough where they can, you know, they can go three and three in this stretch, and I wouldn't be super surprised. Um, and they're catching a lot of teams at the right time. But, yeah, we're about to, we're about to figure out what, what exactly are, what kind of minerals we got. I think, uh, I think the Lakers play Thursday night too. I'm not okay, sure so about the Rockets, but I think the – did you just say that? No, no, no. I think the Rockets might be on the second night of a back-to-back also. So if you want to pad your – let's see. Uh, no, they are playing tonight and then uh, and then Dallas. But I think the Lakers is a back-to-back, much like you got 
a couple of these teams recently. They've been kind of fortunate on that front, actually. Yeah. And I don't yeah, they, totally buy teams, that the Clippers yeah. are good. I just, I mean, they're good. I just don't think they're much like Memphis. Right. There's, they're I mean, not. They're leading the West, but I don't believe in the Clippers at, at, as of this moment. But I mean, they're gonna be that's gonna be a good game Sunday. That's yeah. A, that's gonna be super fun um, to see what this iteration of the Clippers is like, um, and you know how we match up against them. Trez. I don't, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a narrative for them yet. Yeah. That's. That's one thing we'll talk about later in the season, but. Why I don't really uh, want to pay a center because there is a there's a Julius Randle Montrez Harrell out there every season. Yeah, um, you just got to find the guy. Um, so good times in Maverick Land. Seven and two last nine, uh, six straight home wins, which very surprising to me. Um, but I'm really happy for them and happy for the people that come to the games. Uh, nine and nine, finally back to 500 after starting two and seven, and he just. You look at it and you go, man, if we could beat the Knicks, if we could beat the Hawks, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, we'd certainly be getting a lot fun. more burn from the national level if they yeah. if they were 11-7 and seven right now. Um, yeah. They definitely should have won both those games. Absolutely. And then the Spurs game, you know, it's uh, the cry of the loser to make excuses for losses, but also, you know, they're – we watched them all. <laughs> right. We we know the ones that the ones that were there for the taking, and the Knicks game and the Hawks game is just. Uh, I mean, I'm. It's a month later, and I'm still talking about those stupid games. So <laughs> you you see how upset that made me. But uh, anyway, all right. We'll catch you uh, next Monday here on the Four Pointer, and please the uh, go check out theathletic.com/slash/fourpointer. Get you a couple subs. Pass them around as Christmas presents. Hand one to a homeless guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> give, give him a nice login. <laughs> Just log, give him a good login with a password and see what he does with it. I don't know. Um, but 40% off your first year subscription uh, at The Athletic. Um, if you go to theathletic.com slash four-pointer, uh, we'll check you out next Monday. We got Wednesday night. We got Friday night and Sunday night this week. So please join us on Fox Sports Southwest on Mavs.com on the tickets with Jake every single day, noon to three, um, unless there's some holidays fill-in stuff that I'm not privy to as of yet. But, uh, yeah, thanks for your time, man. All right, bud. I'll see you. All right, later.